0: Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon and won a 24-hour track race overall, with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultra-marathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA Ultra Running Coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host.
1: Are injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Get on top of these and see the specialists at Health and High Performance. Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. So get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of. Head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram at performance. Health and High Performance are located in Montalbert, Melbourne but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide but also around the world. Contact them on their website to find out more. Wild Earth Australia are the online store to help you make the most out of the outdoors with top-quality gear at great prices. Peak Endurance podcast listeners can use the discount code Endurance in all capitals, to get 10% off at checkout. Head on over to wildearth.com.au to get everything you need for your next adventure. Oh, oh,
2: Hello and welcome to the podcast. Episode 120 is another interview with Luke Nelson, chiropractor at Health and High Performance. In this episode, we discuss hamstring tendinopathy. A hamstring tendinopathy is an overuse injury of the high hamstring tendon where it attaches to the ischial tuberosity, which is the sit bone of the buttock. Typically, this condition occurs in runners who have suddenly increased their training volume and or intensity or started hill running. Those with a developed hamstring tendinopathy will complain of a deep, annoying buttock pain during activities such as hill walking, running, and prolonged sitting or driving, which is sitting too, of course. So if you've been experiencing this, I'm hoping this episode will be of help for you. I do hope you enjoy this episode, so it would be wonderful if you could hit subscribe and write a review. This helps to boost the ratings of the show and thus increase its audience reach. I really appreciate your help. If you want to be the best athlete you can be, you deserve the best coaching you can get. Peak Endurance Coaching has the personal touch you won't get elsewhere that will help you achieve your running goals with customised plans that reflect your commitments in life and your athletic history. You will become fitter, faster and stronger whilst becoming part of the Peak Endurance Coaching community. Don't waste a minute of your running journey. Email me, Isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au, to get a program designed just for you started. I currently have very limited places available, so get onto it quick. Enjoy this injury special with Luke.
3: Hey, it's Tom, and I'm back with some more thoughts today. This one's just a quick one. Think less, do more. When it comes to training, like everyone tries to think of the best ways to train to Get better at running or swimming or any whatever sport you do. And people get caught up in finding the best ways to do it sprints, intervals, whatever, you know, all the specific training methods you can do. And I always just say, at least on the base level, until you get, you know, really good at whatever it is, it's just do more of it. You know, if you want to get better at trail running, don't, there's nothing specific, just go around on the trails, go run on the trails more. If you want to get better at swimming, just swim more. And once you've got the basic technique, just do more of it, and you'll start to find that things seem to come together by themselves without much thought or specific training methods. Just a quick thought and something I found uh, I've used in my training, and and uh, it's always found that it's worked for me.
2: hello and welcome to the peak endurance podcast and once again I am um, welcoming Luke Nelson onto the podcast hello
4: thanks Isabel yes yeah great to uh, great to be on again and and uh, uh, again we're, we're ticking off through these uh, these injuries we've got another another tendinopathy today we, we've spoken about uh, about Achilles tendinopathy in the past and and uh, now yep. today we've got uh, we're going a bit higher up into the uh into the buttock there and, and talking about so we're going to talk about all things hamstring tendinopathy
2: and and it is a quite a common one um for runners and i certainly ha- here often abide it through friends and so on that people are struggling with with hamstrings and it tends to hang around for a while. So I think it's a it's a good one for us to go over and and try to help people with.
4: Yeah, it is. Look, it is a particular nasty one. It's probably probably out of out of all the tendinopathies, if you if would me which one I would I would rather not get, uh, I'd say it'd probably be this one. Um, probably because yeah. it it it's uh, well, it just tends to interfere with life a lot. You know, we we mainly because around the uh, the, the discomfort that it can get when sitting. Uh, and and that's where mm. if we look at you know some of the and in fact you know last year during during lockdown I I saw when we had our locked most most restrictive lockdowns here in in Victoria and Melbourne I saw so much hamstring tendinopathy it was like a, a, a plague of it uh, and uh, oh, wow. it was a lot of that was actually centred around uh, the amount of sitting time that people were doing because I saw this this was popping up in not just runners, but also non-active people um, and, uh, and because they've just been, they've been sitting for so much more than what they'd, they'd used to. So it's, it's really um, can be, a, you know, a, a frustrating one to deal with for, for runners, but also uh, non-runners alike and, and even in gym goers as well too. Um, and, and if we look at, you know, some of the common symptoms that people will, will describe with this, it's, it's a pain that's really quite high up into the, the thigh there. You know, at the, it's almost at the crease of the buttock. So people will point usually with the fingers and say, ah, oh, it just hurts right up right up around, around that area through there. Um, It doesn't often, it doesn't tend to refer so much down the leg, but it can. Um, The reason being is that it's got, you've got the the hamstring tendon that attaches right up in the buttock, but then right next to it, you've got the the sciatic nerve. And uh, when that, that, uh, that tendon is annoyed, it can also annoy the, 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 the the, the, uh, nerve that lays adjacent to it. And that can start to sort of refer some pain down the legs, but by and all, most of the time, it tends to be more. Confined around that uh, that buttock area, uh, things that tend to aggravate it and annoy it. Uh, sitting um, for the runners, it's hill running, so we were running uphill, uh, and that's sort of putting a bit more tension and compression on that that the hamstring tendon there. Um, it's faster running as well. So as we, we run at faster speeds, we're striding out further in, in front there and we're sort of getting greater uh, knee towards chest movement um, and what we call hip flexion. And that again, sort of puts that, that, uh, that hamstring tendon under, under more compression. Uh, and then we've got again in the gym. So moving away from the from out the, the running track, we've got things like squats and and deadlifts that that can create uh, again that that compression. And that's where we think that uh, and and it's still a condition that's that hasn't had a lot of research into it. But we we think that um that the current line of thinking is that it is the compression of the the hamstring as it attaches right up into the into the buttock bone into the sit bone. And, and what makes that hard for, for runners is, is because we often don't, as runners, we often don't have a lot of padding around our buttocks. So, you know, being often, often more a slender build. Uh, and unfortunately, then we're, we're sort of more uh, prone to, to that, that compression and the agitation because we don't have the over, you know, any overlying fat or a lot of muscle to protect us as we, as we, we sit down um and with the sitting it is often worse on sitting on you know harder chairs so like sitting on a plastic chair or or you know uh, um uh, you know it's something that just doesn't have any cushioning on there will tend to uh, tend to make it a lot sorer.
2: can i ask um uh why uphill running um am to me you know not being an expert in the field obviously I would have thought downhill running would perhaps be more uh, aggravating to it. So no, no, it's good
4: yeah it's a good question and, and the, the uphill is again due to um the amount of that that hip flexion that you're getting so as you as you're going up uphill you tend to bring your knees you know drive the knees further up towards the chest there to sort of clear the uh, clear the ground and and with that then comes more of that compression of the uh the, the, the hamstring there so so yeah it tends to be more more the uphill the other the other thing that that um which some runners do which is not ideal is that when they run uphill they tend to sort of really lean too far forward forwards um and we'll sort of see later on but as you do lean forward it does sort of uh, Increase sort of the tension and the and the, uh, the the compression on that on that hamstring. So it's sort of a combination of both of a bit of that too much of that forward lean, uh, and then um, with the, the knee coming up. Whereas when you're running downhill, you do tend to be more upright and sometimes even leaning backwards a little bit. Uh, and then with your you, your strides, you're not bringing the knee up towards the, the the chest so much. There is still there can still be overstriding. So you don't you you are right there. And some some people with this condition. Also, find downhill running quite sore on it as well. Um, it's just that, uh, and, and so usually when we're managing these, we're getting people to try and stay away from, from hills because uh, if you know what, what goes up must come down and, and, uh, and, and vice versa. So, we do tend to get people running on a, on a flatter ground with these. So, you know, whilst we're cutting out the uphill, we're usually cutting out the downhill as well. Um, but, um, but yeah, it usually due, is due to bringing those, uh, the, the knee up to the, uh, the chest. The other thing that tends to tends to aggravate these as well can be stretching, um, and so we can see this in people that have um, you know done something that's uh, that does involve a lot of stretching. So, for instance, if a, a runner has decided to uh, to take up uh, yoga, you know they've added yoga into the mix, or you know Pilates where they've, they've got to bring the uh, you know the leg um, straight up, and uh, or they've decided that oh I just I need to improve my flexibility. I'm going to do a lot of you know toe touch stretching, those sort of things, which put a, a lot of sort of um, pull and, and potential. Compression on that uh, that hamstring tendon there um, will, uh, will will can aggravate it, um, and so these are some of the things that we do tend to find, you know, with the the uh, increase in stretching. The increase in sitting time, especially on a harder chair, uh, the running obviously, and then in the weights, things like with the deadlift. So, is you, you know, good good example through here. You can see how that's uh, in that position, the bottom of a the deadlift there, puts a lot of that pull on through that uh, that hamstring tendon, and certain medications as well. And there's other things in terms of hormonal influences as well, which can which can make people more prone to uh, to to uh, developing this uh, this hamstring tendinopathy. So a few things there that we see. And then, you know, like, like we, we've previously discussed with all our, our other um, running injuries is, you know there's lots of things that will go into a, into a running injury that lots of things that will contribute to it. So, you know, looking at what your stress is like. So, you know, your workload, your training, um, how that's, uh, that's been managed. Um, your recovery, you know, what that's like. Obviously, poorer recovery can can increase the stress on your body. Um, you know, stress in everyday life, obviously with lockdown happening at the moment and, and like it has in the last year and a half, that can be quite a stressful time for people. So that can actually contribute to these uh, these things forming. Um, and then on the other side, things that might protect us from an injury are, are things like our strength and, and uh, you know, how we move our biomechanics, our running gait and, and, and those sort of things too. So lots of things that can contribute into it. And this is always something that when we get someone with a hamstring tendinopathy in front of us we've got to figure out well why in this person why has this happened and and how do we then um you know formulate a plan to to, to work around it because yeah you can have two people with the same exactly the same diagnosis but there's there's different uh, different contributions for uh, for both and uh, and so the difference in in management as well um and, and if I we have noticed the, yeah, some yeah, people sorry.
2: You were saying about previous injury that some people have a tendency for it to be a recurring injury. Do you find that that happens a bit? Mm -hmm.
4: we do i mean it it, it's it's like that for you know for a lot of injuries that if you if you have had an Mm -hmm. injury once before you are more prone to it um and that's especially so with 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 the tendinopathy so with your you know your achilles tendinopathy and your you know plantar fasciopathy or plantar fasciitis and and your your hamstring tendons they they do have a tendency to to recur and they're they're sort of we never like to sort of say the word but it you know almost an an injury for life and that it's something that you sort of have to you, you do have to to, to manage it that if, if you don't do things right uh, like say for instance you know you were to do all of a sudden to suddenly increase your training load at a certain point in your life then that that's something that that may rear its uh, rear its head it's not saying when we say an injury for life it's not something that oh yeah you're going to have pain in this, in this area for the rest of your life it's more like if you don't do things right then then that's what's likely to uh to, to recur for you so so yeah this this is an injury is one of those injuries that that can firstly can persist for for quite a long time, you know, it's usually months and months that you're looking to to get this under control, um, and uh, and and then it can recur at a later a latter stage. Unfortunately, um, fortunately, with this, and, and we'll talk a bit more about that with the the running, but it is it is often an injury that you and most of the time that you can run run through. You know, you can continue to train with it as you you're getting on top of it. So whilst the pain might might persist for for months, uh, you, you are able to to run and, and do things in that uh, in that time, It often get. So you know your full full performance and being able to do everything, but just more just with this niggling pain that's in the uh, in the background there. So yeah, it is it is, a, is a something that can that can recur. Um, If We have a look from from our our point of view when we're dealing with someone with with, buttock pain, there are are a number of things that that it can be. So we firstly wanna wanna actually get an accurate diagnosis and make sure that that's that's what it is. Um, There's a number of things around that area, uh, such as issues at the hip joint. uh, And then we've got nerve issues as well. So where there's potential back problems uh, or some nerve entrapment issues that might be occurring in through the buttock there. Some of those things that that can um, uh, uh, replicate or or, um, make it look like a hamstring tendinopathy. And sometimes people might have multiple things happening at the same time. So, you you know, people are more than uh, than within their rights to have more than one problem. So uh, that's always something we try and and tease out and make sure that it actually is a hamstring tendon that we're dealing with. Um, And usually the ways that we, we figure that out is you can often pick it from the symptoms so if someone's had you know a, a particular aggravating activity um they, they really saw specifically on the pot on the spot which they point to um and uh and then there's a few sort of tests that we use to look at you know it's typically like doing a hamstring stretch you know they can feel it right at that particular point uh then it's 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 you know they're usually pretty easy to uh, easy to pick up with uh, that it is a hamstring tendon tendon problem so if we now sort of talk about talk about some of the things that that uh, that can be done for it, so we've obviously got our diagnosis and figured out that yep it's hamstring hamstring tendinopathy. We have a look at some of the things that uh, that we want to uh, how we want to rehabilitate it. So hamstrings are obviously a big part of it, you know. We, we, we're uh, that, and that's often what we find when we're doing you know we do a lot of strength testing in our in our clinic, and when we're dealing with these, we often see a, a, a lack of strength in the hamstrings. Now whether that's happened. Before the onset of the tendinopathy, or whether that's happened as a result of the tendinopathy, we we don't know. Obviously, we can only see what's happened on the right there on the on the spot. I, I reckon it's probably a bit of both. I think a bit of both can contribute to it. So you may have had some pre-existing weakness there before, and then it, it then got worse as you uh, as you develop the the, the, the tendon uh, changes. Um, but yeah, a big, big part of the, the rehab is actually getting that, uh, working on that hamstring strength and, and getting that up. And, and also whilst you're doing that, whilst you're stressing those hamstrings, you are also stressing the tendon as well. And we know with, with tendons, they like, they like load. Um, they don't like to be overloaded, but they don't like to be underloaded. So we've got to sort of make sure we hit that, hit that sweet spot there. So a lot of the exercises we're going to choose are going to be uh, based around the, the hamstrings um so earlier on in the piece when things are really irritable uh so if they're really cranky and you know people can't do much for them they can barely sit down uh, we like to use uh, a particular type of exercise called an isometric exercise and that's where we've um we've spoken about that in our previous talks but basically that's a is an exercise where there's just no no movement no change in in you. you're basically pushing into into something there so uh, and the, the muscles not lengthening the muscles not not shortening uh, and so an example of some of those might be you know you can see in this image here and the uh, with someone doing a hamstring curl they might be lying down in the machine and you can actually you know lock the machine in place and you're basically just pushing pushing hard into that um, with all these isometrics we, we try and get people pushing about about 70 to 80 percent so you're not going full hundred percent as hard as you can pushing into the resistance but it's about sort of 70 80 percent and they're long sustained holds so you're looking at between 30 and 45 seconds for the hold and then you know repeating that Anywhere from sort of three to five, five repetitions. The good thing about with doing these these isometrics is, and especially for the ones that are really quite cranky, is that it'll actually often feel better, and, and most of the time it should feel better after you've done them. So if you've got a particular, you know, you're walking around and the pains, you know, you say you do a, a, a squat and you're like, oh, that's a six out of ten pain. You do some isometrics, and 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 you'll often see a drop in, you know, down to sometimes a two or three or, or below of that pain. So they can be really good can I to ask help. Why help that is. In. Yeah. It's, 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 a sort of a complicated mechanism. We don't know exactly why that's the, why that's the case. Um, so that's the, the, the honest answer. Um, the why, why that it might be, um, you know, that potentially with the, the, the contraction in in through there, I mean, in, in its simplest sense is making that tendon happy or it's almost desensitizing it temporarily. So that's where, where it, it may play a role. Um, but we find that that, that's um, what we call analgesia. So that, that, the window of feeling quite good, that can actually last, but for some people can last for a few hours after they've done some of these isometrics. And so these isometrics so can is be it done. is
2: something you could do before you run?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's something we'll often often recommend for these for, for these is that uh, yeah, we, we can try them at different points of the day. So, you know, if if um uh, and you can do them multiple times a day. So if, if someone's like yeah, I feel feel good for a few hours after I've done them, but then it starts to come back. Like we'll then do it again. You know, and, and they, they are they won't exhaust you. And so that's where you can do them uh, before a run to sort of to warm you up, um, because they won't leave you with you know jelly legs like other other sort of exercises can. In fact, some people can actually. Feel Feel pretty good. They feel like, oh yeah, I've got things ramping up and 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 going there. And um, and like is often the case with these these tendinopathies. They will often feel a bit stiff and sore for the first few K's. So they take a little bit to to warm up. Um, and uh, and so this can sort of doing these isometrics can help um, you know shortcut that that warming up process. In that the first couple of K's for them now actually feel quite good when they previously before they've been hobbling around and 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 limping and feeling like they're doing the uh, Cliff Cliff Young shuffle to uh, just to get uh, to get going so yeah it's a good it's a good question and yes they okay. can be done before um before a, a, a run um some of the other other uh, types of exercise they can do are what's called a supine isometric where you're basically just laying on your back um and you're pushing your heel into the ground so that's another another variation there you can also do that whilst you're standing as well so you can stand and sort of drive the heel into so if you think about you're standing on top of a gutter you can sort of bend the other knee down a little bit and then pushes push back into the into the gutter there. So you're getting that hamstring going, getting that anything that basically yeah. gets a contraction in the hamstring is gonna be working well for this. Um, you can do like a, a bridge um, where you're bridging in between you know, a, a couple of different, uh, a couple of tables. Um, a glute ham raise, which is uh, a bit more complex. You need a bit of gym equipment through here, but we can see on this, uh, the image here where you're, you're doing a, a glute ham raise on a glute ham raise machine, but you're just simply holding it into, into position. Uh, and then we've got Nordic isometrics. So Nordic, Nordic curls are where you're kneeling on the ground. You've got someone holding your feet, and then you basically lower down to the ground there. Uh, with a Nordic isometric, you basically just you know you have someone holding you, but you just hold the position. So you're just holding that that hamstring contraction there. So as we mentioned, you know 30 to 45 seconds with with these uh, and reps, you know anywhere between sort of three and five reps of those. You can have a bit of a rest for 30 or 60 seconds between each uh, each one, um, but they can work well. Some people don't need these. Some people. People find that they actually can make them worse um, so if it makes you more sore i probably won't won't use those um, if it's not too irritable not too angry then and and you know people don't, i got sort of minimal pain when they're running I, again I, I often won't uh, won't worry about going on with these i'll, I'll often move them on to the next set which is all the next type of exercises which is is you know strengthening working at getting that that strength back in through that hamstring and the uh, and the tendon um, and some of those might be uh, doing a hamstring curl. So that's, you know, laying on your tummy and, and you can use your eye doing it in the machine. Uh, so before the isometrics is more just holding it in position uh, with a curl, you're obviously getting it, just moving it back and forth. Uh, always go for single leg as well. So single leg to make sure that you're working that, uh, that, that one leg at a, at a time. Make sure the other one isn't, isn't compensating for that. Uh, you can use a band for that as well too. So using the band, tie that to your ankle and just bring that, uh, bring that back and forth. Uh, Then we've got a full Nordic. So, uh, you know, before we had the hold, so this is just going down into a full Nordic position. And why, why these, we tend to use these earlier ones is because they don't involve much, much hip bend. Because remember how we mentioned before that in the sitting position where your knee's coming up towards your chest, that tends to, to aggravate the hamstring tendon. So for these early strengthening and for the, the more irritable ones, we try and keep sort of the, the hip as straight as possible with a lot of these exercises. So we don't have a lot of, of, of hip flexion. Um, we've got a prone Superman, which is basically laying on your tummy and you know lifting your legs up off the ground, lifting your arms up at the, at the same, time um a standing banded extension so um you know standing up and and sort of kicking kicking behind you um, we've got a small bridge, so where the hips not bent up too much, it's sort of 30 degrees. Uh, hip thruster is another good one where you're not getting too much of that uh, that hip flexion. Uh, and then a sliding bridge is also a good one to do. And then you can sort of, if tolerated, do like a, a step up, but on, on a, a smaller step or even just onto some plate weights, where you're just stepping up there. It's really good for, that exercise is great to get some, some glute max engagement going on there. Um, Cause that's one of the things we often find can also be impaired is is you lose that, sound, that 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 glute max and the the um, the ability to extend the uh, the, the hip behind you, um, but we all often I mean one of the things is you, we're never just sort of looking at the area that hurts, but also looking at some of the other areas around it because we may and we do often find with um, with those with hamstring tendinopathy they may have a loss of strength around the other hip muscles. They may also have loss of strength in the calf on that side and even in the, in the quad as well. So that's where it's important to assess through all those because you don't just need to work on the hamstring tendon there, but you need to, you may need to work on some, some other things at the same time to make sure that this doesn't become a a recurrent, uh, recurrent problem. Um, So there's some of the earlier stuff that's, that's not too irritable for the, uh, for the tendon. um, And uh, you can load those up, you know, load them up quite heavy as well too. So um then we go on to some some progressions for, for for strength here so this is where we start to you know start to get a little bit more of that that hip flexion going so the knee coming up towards the chest so we've got like a 90 degree bridge we were raising the the feet up on top of a, a chair or, or a bench there and, and doing a bridge there um, we've got a single leg single leg deadlift or those arabesques or, or drinking birds um, and starting off, you can start off with quite shallow there and, and obviously get as you get um, able to tolerate then going further and further down. Um, Roman chair extension, which is sort of similar to the glute ham raise machine that you're sort of bending your, bending your, your, your trunk forward and then, and then raising back up. So really putting those hamstrings under tension there. We've got a deadlift so we can start off doing a bit shallow to begin with and then, and then progressing that. Uh, then a lunge as well, working the different, uh, different depths. And then we've got our progressions of a step up where we were initially on, on a low step, but we can progress up onto a, onto a higher step there as well. And then going on from that, so we've had our sort of our easier stuff. we're starting to challenge the hamstring a little bit more. And this is where we can go on to some more of the ballistic movements, So some more rapid and plyometric stuff, which is which is really quite challenging on that, that hamstring tendon. Um, so we can do what's called a hamstring ta- tantrum, which is basically do that on a Swiss ball or a band where you basically, you know, imagine a kid or a toddler on the floor, you know, banging their legs against uh, <laughs> against the uh, Swiss ball or like the the band man. there. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. So uh, that can be a really good one for, to create that rapid, rapid contraction in the, uh, in the tendon there. Um, then we've got kettlebell swings as well, nice and explosive through there, really getting that, so that fast movement. Um, we've got some counter movement jumps where we're sort of squatting down and then exploding up into the air as, as quickly as we can. Um, step jumps, so jumping up onto you know, box jumps or step jumps there. Um, broad jumping, where broad jump is is where you're on two feet and you're trying to jump as far forwards as cover as much distance as you, as you can. Um Bounding is when you're doing that on one leg and you sort of go from one leg to uh, to the other. They're sort of quite an advanced movement, so not not for the certainly not mm. for the beginners those ones. Uh, and jumping lunges again, not certainly not for the uh, the, the beginner. If you look at the airtime air time that this guy's getting in this image here, it's it's quite a, a big uh, quite a big load, especially when you're really landing down into that that, that hip flexion there. Um, that uh, that in fact I've I've seen patients that have done this particular exercise and, and have actually triggered their, their hamstring tendinopathy. So, um, but uh, but in the right dose, um, it, it can can be very good for it to uh, to to. to challenge and strengthen it. So there's sort of some of the, the, the strengthening exercises and sort of the progressions that we'll use for for um to strengthen that the hamstring and, and the tendon. So you can see there's quite a lot of selections that you can you can go with there. And yeah. I wouldn't do I wouldn't yeah. do all of those. I'd, I'd pick sort of pick a couple out of those and mix it with some you know some other things that you need to work on at the same time. Um, but then gradually working up to more of these uh, these ballistic movements as it uh, as it can tolerate. So we spoke about before, you know, we bring up the image before of, of some of the things that, that tend to uh, tend to trigger it. And and so these are some of the things that we you tend to modify. So you don't often don't often have to cut things out completely and saying, you know, you need to stop sitting, but you may need to reduce your time sitting. So, if, you know, for work, I, I always tend to encourage people that every, you know, every hour should be getting up and or 45 minutes getting up and having a bit of a move around anyway, time away from the screen refreshes the mind and, and gets the body moving a little bit. So especially for, for those with hamstring now, can tendinopathy. i ask a question hmm.
2: some people um when they have this hamstring off, they like to get a, a ball and stick it under their butt and sit on that what what's your opinion on that one
4: glad you asked actually and that's uh that, that's something I, I don't tend to advise doing because again uh we yeah. tend to find that poking at poking at tendons just tends to make them a bit sore so you can you can use for that self-massage you can work uh, around the site, but not directly, not directly over it. So you can work through the rest of the yeah. hamstring. So you can use, you know, massage gun or foam roller or, or the massage ball through the rest of the thigh. And you can also work in through the, the 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 rest of the buttock with with those sort of things. But in terms of where that hamstring tendon attaches up into the into the the, the sit bone, uh, I'll tend to get people to to avoid that. So yeah, don't don't uh, don't do that on the, the buttock there because it can it can annoy. It. And that's a couple of things. Look, some of the the, the two. things I find that people do often get wrong with these is that one, they're either you know vigorously massaging it themselves and, and it's not getting any better. Um, in fact, it can be getting worse. Or two is the other thing is they've yeah. been stretching it, uh, and that's where again we yeah. sort of want to move away from from stretching it too much. Um, and so when it comes to doing things like yoga positions or um, you know Pilates or, or gym based movements, we'll try and modify those activities so you're not going to, you know as deep into the into the movement there uh, to save save that that compression on the uh, on the the, the Tendon, but but stretching is never really a big part of of getting this uh getting this well um we sort of want to try and limit that as as much as as much as we can so um so yeah that's what we've got our triggers you know the two biggest things we want to try and modify are the sitting time um making sure that also that you're sitting on uh you know a cushioned uh, cushion chair so not sitting on harder chairs there so that might be putting putting some extra cushioning down on your work chair and might be might be getting a stand desk you know a sit stand desk um and uh I mean, the worst worst ones are these that I've seen. Are, are people where they they can't even sit for more than five minutes without it hurting, and and they're really nasty ones. So, you know, for them, they've got no choice but to do a, a stand desk. And uh, obviously, that settles down, and they're able to sit a bit more. But yeah, when these get really really annoyed, um, they're not uh, they're not nice to uh, to sit with. Um, and that's that's one of the one of the challenges I mentioned before. You know, why why I don't why I would not like to have this myself is because. It, it affects sitting. And, you know, we, we sit for so much of our lives, you know, for the, that be for most people for work uh, you know, that's commuting in the, in the car, we sit for entertainment at home. Uh, and so there's, there's, yeah, lots of, lots of ways that this can impact not just your activities with your running, but also affect your life. Um, and that's where it can get, you know, really uh, quite challenging and, and sometimes even a bit depressing for, for patients with this condition as well, because yeah. it just impacts in, in so into so many, uh, so many things. So that's why it's a particular nasty one, um, and here we see an example of, of something that you know a lot of runners will, will do to manage this: the old uh, you know leg up on a bench and and uh, and bend down to to touch the toes, and, and it might have it might have a feeling that it needs to be stretched, but it, it uh, but the stretching will not so will not do it any good. Um, which talk about, you know, some of the other ways that we want to manage this. And we, you know, we always talk about running loads and making sure that we get yes. that right, making sure we don't get those peaks and troughs where you're doing too much one week and then doing nothing the next week. So we want to try and, you know, find a, a level that's suitable for you, where you can manage that, that tendon, you know, it's okay to have some discomfort there around that four or five out of 10 in, in the tendon there. And so long as it's not going above that, we can continue to progress the, the, the running. And that's where having a, a good, a good coach is invaluable here to make sure that they, they, keep you on track and and uh and keep that um you know keep those running loads consistent and and gradually building up and whether you need to have a bit of a rest then then uh programming that in there as well too um so really important with the 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 running loads um if we again we spoke about we touched on with that that four to five out of ten is safe to have so that's we 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 don't want to see it escalating above that during a run after a run or the day after a run, so if you're waking up the next day and you're like, "Geez, my hamstrings," you know, six or seven out of ten, then you've probably done a bit too, a bit too much. Um, and then what we want to see is that you can actually, so for the next run, say if you've, you've you know, you've done ten k's, well, what you can do is maybe the next time scale that down. You might reduce that by ten percent. Uh, might have been reduce that down a little bit more. Try that. How does it respond there? Oh, that's actually better. And so then you can then you can stick uh, stick with that and and use that to, to work on and grab. Gradually build that up to then going above that that previously sore point, um, and uh, and then continuing to work that and beyond. So we don't need pain free like m- managing most other running injuries and, and and these tendinopathies. It's okay to have a bit of pain. They will often warm up as you you know in those first few K's, so that's acceptable there. Um, but so long as they don't uh, they don't come back with a vengeance afterwards, and you know people rolling around after after the run it just being so sore, so that, that means that they've overstepped the uh, step the mark. Uh, we mentioned about the hills as well too, so just trying to limit for 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 uh, those with hamstring tendinopathy, keeping it on the flatter ground for for the time being until we uh, get see the yeah uh, tendons get under control. And also we don't tend to to introduce speed work too much, so just sort of keeping it nice, easy runs um, on the on the flat tend to be better tolerated, and then as it starts to settle, then you can start to put some of the uh, the faster speed work and and uh, and intervals and then gradually hills as well into uh, into the mix. Um, running technique. So we spoke about, um, you touched on before, with that, um, with the why you know running downhill might be might be an issue, um, and the other reason also with downhill is that there is often a bit of overstride there, and and so some of the things that we can see on this image here, the two things you know we've got. Imagine that the hamstring's running up the back of the thigh here, and it's touching, attaching up into the buttock. So with overstride, as we sort of bring the leg further out in front of us, it's going to be putting a bit of an increased in tension in through that uh, through that. Ham- hamstring and then also potentially with a bit of compression there now if we combine that with bending forward and, and you can try this yourself you can stand up with your legs sort of out in front of you resting on your heel and then bending forward at your, at your hips and you'll actually feel that tension through the uh, through the hamstring so we want to try and reduce that over stride so keeping your strides a little bit a little bit shorter can reduce the pull on that uh, on that hamstring and that tendon um, we also want to make sure that the, the the pelvis isn't tilting forward so some people when they run their pelvis Elvis can really tilt forward and, and have a bit of an increased arch in their back um, and again as you do that you know if you if you stand with your, your leg out in front of you on your heel and you increase that tilt you'll actually feel again mm. you feel that that tension in through the through the hamstring there so we want to make sure that, that there's none of that happening um, and then we also want to sort of run a little bit more upright so we don't want to be leaning too far forward and and look some some people with um with the, the hamstring tendinopathy sometimes we see some of these faults and and so we we work on you know work on these other times we don't see it at all you know we look at that technique and think well that's actually pretty good there's nothing that we need to we need to work on there so don't think that just because you've got hamstring tendinopathy means that you've got any of these uh, these running technique issues it doesn't mean that at all it's it's again it's something we assess if you've got it if you've got you know a little bit of an overstride then we can we can reduce that reduce that so there's some of the things that we want to look for for uh, for running technique wise um, and so, you know, just to conclude and, and wrap it up, some of the things that we look for with, with uh, um, the hamstring tendinopathy. So first, we want to make sure that we've got our diagnosis, you know, is it actually the hamstring tendon? Or is it one of those things around it? Um, Also getting a really thorough assessment to make sure that, you know, what's your strength like in that area? What's the strength like in the rest of that leg? Um, Also looking at some of those other factors we we spoke about before about what what can be contributing to your particular issue. You know, have you just done a whole lot of sitting and, 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 or have you just suddenly increased your heel work? Um, You know, is there a lot of stress happening? Your your sleep hasn't been great recently. So looking at all these things and figuring out why for you, this is, uh, this has happened. Then we wanna progressively strengthen. So especially some hamstring targeted exercises. So isometrics for those that are really angry uh, and then those those progressions um, uh, for for the exercises uh, with gradually adding more of that uh, that hip flexion there as it can uh, can tolerate it. And then working onto some more ballistic and, and those plyometric exercises. Um, we want to try and limit those aggravating activities. So things like sitting for long periods of time, sitting on hard chairs, and also try and stay away from the stretching on that. And, and also the self-massage directly on that area, as you, you pointed out before, Isabel. Uh, and then also consider, you know, is there, there running, running gates, uh, um, running technique changes that need to be made that may potentially help and also looking at your, your running loads as well, and making sure that you're not, uh, you know, that you can keep a consistent amount. It's okay to run with a bit of discomfort there, uh, but not pushing through into into too much pain, uh, and not, you know, running three one three times one week and then no, nothing the next, and just this this up and down seesawing. So, yeah. there's a few of the, sort of the key points that that we have for um for for those with uh, with hamstring tendinopathy.
2: I just thought I'd um, um, sort of, you know, focus on a couple of those points. Now, when you talk about <clears throat> progressively strengthen, and I think we need to really highlight the fact that it's important to continue that strengthening work after it's resolved, because otherwise... Um, it does become a recurring injury. Am I correct?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. You're right there. And I think that, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of runners when they, well, this is, and this, this is across the board really with, with any sort of injury, it, it's something that, you know, will often benefit you to continue to, to work on that. And that might be, you know, whilst you're recovering from the hamstring tenopathy, you might have a number of hamstring focused exercises, but, Post, you might only, you know, you may have just one or two, you know, or you, or you may cycle them. And this is, again, where it comes to a, a good, uh, you know, good strength coach that can can sort of work out how much is enough. And and, uh, uh, and it's something that, I mean, you know, building strength takes months and months to, you know, to, to, to get that up. And, and so, you know, the pain with these can often disappear. Very soon, but that doesn't mean that you've got your strength levels up to where they need to where they need to, uh, where they need to be. Um, and if there's that sort of continual deficit, well, as you as you so rightly pointed out, then it can a lot uh, a lot easier um, return. So yeah, it is something that I always do try and encourage people to keep something up after the, after they've you know they've recovered and and even if they have regained full strength, it's good something to keep going to maintain that good level and make sure that they don't that doesn't drop down again and the, and the tendon becomes uh, cranky. Good point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed that with people and, and myself included that, you know, once you start to feel better, you kind of think, well, mm. I'm, I'm golden now and you, and you forget all about it. But it really is important to keep focusing on developing yeah. your strength.
4: Exactly and, right. Yeah. Another
2: point I wanted to make is when you are saying about consider running technique changes, that how important it is to have that checked by someone like yourself, um, rather than just going out and going, well, I've got this, I'm just going to go and change my technique because... Yeah. Um, yeah technique changes is one of those things that really only works if you're doing it 100% correctly.
4: That's right. And, and like I said, just because, you know, you've got this condition, you've got hamstring tendinopathy doesn't mean that you've got these, you know, these running technique right. uh, issues. So, yeah, you don't want to be changing something if, you know, there's the old saying goes, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, um, yeah, obviously as part of a, a thorough assessment, making sure that well, what is exactly wrong with you and then what needs to change yeah. and, and formulating that so that that plan from there and how you implement those changes as well too. So, yeah, very good point.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much for um, sharing once again, your knowledge with us. I'll have to go back and check and see how many times we've been on. It's I don't know. Record, lost,
4: sure. lost count. I don't know whether we're, we're five or six now. I actually can't recall myself, but it's always, always a record. pleasure. I, you know, I, I, I love, you can probably yeah. tell, I love, I love, you know, speaking about what I do. I, I love, I love, you know, seeing runners and, and helping them get back out there or and, and keeping them out there. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll, exactly. uh, we'll keep going. Yeah. Unfortunately, as we, pointed out before there's lots of things that can go wrong in runners so lots of different injuries and so we'll keep we'll keep working our way through the uh through the list
2: <laughs> that's right and certainly if any um listeners have any particular injuries they would like to have us focus on do comment and and let us know because then we'll get to it quicker i'm sure we'll get to it eventually but
4: yeah we'll get to it quicker excellent all right well
2: thank you luke appreciate your time
4: thanks isabel thanks for having me on again
2: I hope this informative episode has helped you if you are feeling the effects of hamstring tendinopathy. Of course, this podcast does not substitute for medical advice, so please see your specialist if you are feeling pain. It is always best to get something officially diagnosed so you know exactly what you are dealing with and therefore know how to bounce back quicker. Have a great week of training and racing.